ought to be able to preach after that. If you remember, that was the song we finished with last year on Christmas Eve. And David has another great service planned. Hope you're going to be here. We need some help for nursery for that. If you can help us out, we would appreciate that. We'd love to provide it for all three services, but cannot if we do not have enough help. So if you think somebody else is going to do it, they probably won't. So if you can help us out, we would appreciate that. The insert is there. You'll notice the services are 3, 4, 45, and 6, 30. We're trying to keep them as tight as possible so that our volunteers aren't here eight or nine hours on Christmas Eve. We appreciate what they're willing to do. But they usually show up about 1.30, and they'll be here till at least 7.30, quarter to 8. So uh, that's why they're kind of there. 45-minute turnaround should give us enough time. Going to be great services. I can't even tell you which one's going to be the fullest. I have my own idea, but we kind of get fooled every year. But there are three great options. Just don't come at three expecting seats for eight together. Because <laughs> they won't be there. A lot of information in your bulletin. Read it carefully so you don't miss out on anything. Man camp coming up. Membership class is this Saturday from 9 to noon. Today's the last day to sign up. You can do it online, but you've got to download all the information online so you can have it all read before the weekend. A lot of other information in there. Make sure you read it very carefully. On Veterans Day, I gave out challenge coins to those who have served, and some of you had dads or moms or grandparents that weren't able to get one of these. If you have a cousin seven times removed, obviously we would appreciate you save it for a dad or a grandparent, or maybe one of you gave up yours so somebody else could have one. But I've got some here in a basket after the service this morning. I encourage you to get one of those. We're going to do something that we only do a couple of times here every year, and that is finish a series. We're in Philippians chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4 over the last few weeks. I hope it's been beneficial to you. I have an intention on Sunday morning and a desire to get you into the Word of God. And what I do on a Sunday morning is hopefully to whet your appetite to want to do it more on a regular basis, not just on Sunday morning. I do what I can. I preach with intensity and passion. I hope you see that. But my heart is that it's more than just what you experience on a Sunday morning, but that you really do get into the Word and recognize how incredibly valuable it is to every single aspect of our life. Philippians is one of my favorite books. Hopefully, again, you sense that. But every single chapter has some incredibly powerful truth to teach us. Paul loved the church. And he didn't want it to stand on its own or try to figure out how to be all that God designed it to be. And so he wrote to many churches on a regular basis, knowing that if they could get some guidance and direction, and they could read it and live it out, it literally would change their lives and so far go out or go out so far that the world could be literally transformed by the power of the gospel. He loved the church and saw its potential. I love this church and certainly see its potential. I've been blessed by four really great churches. Have there been challenges for Paul and I? Absolutely. Have I been able to make everybody happy? Absolutely. <laughs> Not. Have there been incredible celebrations? There certainly has been. Have there been painful moments and an unbelievable amount of tears? Better believe it. Would I do anything else? Not in a moment. And that's exactly what Paul would say. I love what God's called me to do. I love where I'm at. The driving force in Paul's life was to see people come to faith in Christ, see them embrace the truth of the Word of God, not just know there's a God out there somewhere, 
or know that they know about God or go to a church that talks about God, but embrace Jesus as their Savior because he knew that would change their lives. And then not only just to embrace Jesus as their personal Savior, but to live it out, give it away, to share their faith everywhere they went and do it all for the glory of God. Not so the CAC looks good, not so that we look good, not so that I look good, but we do it all for the glory of God. There are churches all over our communities that advertise, we're doing 12 services, 14 services, 18 services on Christmas. That's awesome. We're not doing it so that we look good. We're doing it so that God can get glory. And that's what Paul wanted. He really wanted people to embrace Jesus, love Christ, live it out every single day of their life, and know that when they did, people around them would be changed over and over again on a regular basis. Paul loved this particular church. He said it on a number of occasions. Every time I remember you, I remember you with joy. Every time I think of you in my prayers, there's a delight that must have come to his face. I have a question that I ask you at the beginning of the series. When people think of you, what comes to their mind? When all of a sudden they get an email from you or a letter, a note, or a phone call or a message from you, what comes to their mind? Oh, I can't wait to read this one. I'm so glad I got this text, or, <laughs> oh my goodness. What do they think of when they hear from you? What message are you sending? Not by your text or your email, but what message are you sending by the life you live? Every time Paul says, I think of you guys, I smile. He said in chapter 4, you're my joy and my crown. You say that about your kids. They're your joy and your crown. That's, that's what you live for, not for you but for that generation and the next generation and the next generation. Paul's desire that the love of Christ would go so deep inside of them that they would love more and more and they would understand the depths of that love. And they would continue to go deeper, not say, okay, I've got enough. I know enough about Jesus. I don't want any more. I know enough about truth. I, I'm good, but I want to continue to grow. I want to continue to grow deeper in my relationship with God. This is his prayer in chapter 1, verse 9, that your love will abound and more and more you'll gain and understand depth of insight. I pray that you'll be able to choose the best things in life because you are going to get offered a lot. There's so many things out there, and Paul said, I, I pray not just that you choose between right and wrong, I obviously pray for that, but in this incredibly vast array of all the things in life, I hope, I, a matter of fact, I pray that you choose what's best. Christmas season is an opportunity to do that, right? In the middle of all the things out there that you choose what's best, not going to the store and saying out of these three things, that's the best one, that's the one I'm getting. But it's not about things, it's not about stuff. It's about relationships and people and gatherings and the love that you share and the joy that you radiate everywhere you go. And Paul said, I really do pray in the middle of all of those good things, that you're able to choose what is best. Because there are hundreds, thousands of options in front of you. And I hope you don't get side, so sidetracked by all of that stuff that you're not able to sort through the junk and choose what's really important. And most of the time, it really is about relationships. My prayer, he said, is that the love of Christ would so capture you and so captivate you that you would shine like stars in the universe in the middle of a very dark world 
that doesn't seem to offer a lot of hope, that's really confused, that's extremely divided, I hope you shine. And I hope that when people run into you, they just shine. There's something about you that makes me smile. Right? Let me see you smile. Well, the first service really lit up. <laughs> Let me see your smile. All right? That's, that when, when people look at you, man, you just make me smile. And I, I just pray that there's something inside of you that just shines, that just radiates out of you. I, I'm, I'm really hoping that you shine like stars of the universe as you hold out the word of truth. You're not going to be perfect at it. Our only perfection is in Christ. But living it out that others want to follow. I'm confident the one who began a good work in you is going to bring it to completion. So don't think you, I'll never make it. I won't be what I'm supposed to be. Any of you the absolute best believer you ever imagined you would be? Now, we all know that we want to get better. But Paul said, look, I don't give up. I don't go backwards. I, I, I pray that I, I'm, I'm just going to keep on going in my relationship with God because I know he's going to bring it to completion the day I see him. And I really pray that you don't do anything out of selfish ambition. Matter of fact, I pray that your attitude is the same as Christ, who being in the very nature of God didn't consider equality with God as something to be grasped. But he made himself nothing. He took on the form of a servant who was made in human likeness. And being found that way, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on the cross. That is the Christmas story. That is Paul's version in Philippians of the Christmas story. It's Paul's version of John as he tells the Christmas story. And even though you can have that quiz at home that we did last night in our house, which two gospels never really mention the birth of Christ, you know which ones they are? You can say that out loud. Mark and John never really talk about the birth of Christ, but they really do. John says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. And that Word came, Emmanuel, and dwelt among us. Paul said, you're, you're never going to believe this, but God himself gave up everything in heaven to become human. I mean, it's not just, hey, that's the best angel we got out there. Gabe, you're it. Now, God himself and his son Jesus Christ said, I'm going to give all of this up to come and do what I know I'm to do. I don't know about you. I wouldn't have given up heaven. I mean, I love you, but not that much. <laughs> to give up heaven? And I don't know. I'm going to be really flat out honest. I don't know that I'd have given my son or daughter for you. But he did. I mean, I love my girls. I love my grandsons. They're really valuable to me. I told you the story before, and I promise you that when I get old, I won't tell my stories over and over again, but I'm not old yet. <laughs> but when we were in Israel, Aaron and I were walking down the streets of Jerusalem, and this guy offered me a number of camels. I know I've said that before for my daughter, and I said, you don't have enough. And he said, I'll give you three, I'll give you five, I'll give you a hundred. Now I'm calculating their value, but I didn't go any further than that i'll give you a thousand camels i you don't have enough camels on god's planet that i'm going to give you my daughter but the god of the universe said i love you even while you're sinning here's my son here's my son and jesus knew exactly what he was getting into do you ever be in those situations where you thought i thought it would be like this i didn't know what i was getting into not marriage. No, I'm not talking about that. 
But, you know, sometimes you're asked to do, yep, I'll do that. I'll volunteer for that. I'll go there. And you think, why did I say yes to this? He knew exactly what he was saying yes to, but he gave it all up, emptied himself, and became obedient unto death, even death on the cross. I pray that you stay humble, Paul said. In a world filled with pretty arrogant people, my challenge is that you stay humble. And then in verse 27 of chapter 1, you conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, that you make your faith real, that you work out in your living the gospel that you've received, that you don't keep your, your, your faith in your head, you don't even just keep it in the Bible, but you live it out. You kind of flesh it out. You make it real. You and I are this world's hope. That's probably one of the most scariest things of all of Scripture when he said, you and I, that's us, that's you and me. We're this world's hope. There's a party that wants to say the world's toast. But we are followers of Christ, this world's only hope. So when John said, there he comes, the light of the world, when he's pointing to Jesus at his baptism, and then Jesus points to us and said, you are the light of the world, he said, what? Basically what? You're this world's hope. So man, live it out everywhere you go because they're not going to find it if it's not in you. And you're going to whet their appetite. They're going to want to know what this Christianity is all about. Not that I've been perfect, he says in chapter 3, but I'm telling you, I do the work that's necessary to leave behind what lies behind, and I'm moving on. I'm pressing toward the goal for the prize which God has called me forward. I learned enough to know that I was going after the wrong things, and now when I find my satisfaction in Christ, my value isn't based on what I do or what I accomplish or how many accolades I get how many trophies I've won, my value is not dependent on those things, but on who I am in Christ and that he gave his life for me. That makes me really valuable. Finally, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9, which is why I saved it here because Paul finally says, finally, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if there's anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. And whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or have seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. I have in your notes that if you follow these four this verses of chapter 4, you can find the difference between a mediocre life and a great life, between a short sprint and a successful marathon. Because Christianity and our walk with God is not a sprint, it is a marathon until we see him face to face. And there are so many things just in this one chapter that Paul wants to teach us that God wants to reveal to us. The root of the last phrase in chapter 4, verse 8, let your mind feed on these things in the original form in Greek. You and I know that our food intake has a lot to do with our health, our weight, and our energy, right? Our food intake has a lot to do with our health, our energy, and our weight. The better you eat, the healthier you are, right? I mean, you all know that. You can't sit on the couch, eat bonbons, chocolate, chips, and all those stuff and say, okay, I'm, I'm good. I'm running a Tough mutter tomorrow. I'm ready. You, you're just not going to happen. You know you've got to take care. Your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit. You've got to take care of what he's entrusted into your care. This is the only one you get. It's not like you can trade it in for another, no matter how many times we want to. So I want to take care of that. I want to be able to have it last a while. I expect it to run at its peak performance, so I want to do it well. Same with your vehicle. You've got to maintain it to make it last. Same with your body. When you maintain it, take care of it, you've got to feed it the right stuff. Same with your mind. You've got to feed it the right stuff. Finally, my brothers, whatever's true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy, 
that's what you got to feed it. Because you're going to hear enough of the other stuff the other way. You're going to be surprised by this. Every once in a while, you're going to be lied to. You're surprised, right? Every once in a while, you're going to be lied to. This is going to make you the man you want to be. Your wife is going to think this gift from Kay's is going to make you think she is going to just absolutely think you are the best man on the planet. So you go run to Kay's to get that or Zales or wherever you go, right? Now, I don't mean anything wrong with them, but that's not always the truth, right? There are so many things every day that we hear where we get our value, where we get our strength, who we are, what we're like, and all those kind of things that every once in a while you've got to recognize and realize I think I'm being lied to here. Now, if you go to a secular campus, you're, and I want to say this tenderly and well, but sometimes you're going to be lied to on a regular basis because they're going to tell you a, a lot of things that don't always line up with the Word of God, which is why you've got to know the truth, which is why he said you've got to feed your mind with the truth because you're going to be lied to on a regular basis if you're not careful and if you don't have anything to compare it to, you'll think, okay, that's how we got here. You mean we weren't created by the hands of Almighty God? That, oh, that's how we got here. If you don't know the truth, you're going to believe that. Whatever is noble and right and pure, because every single day you're going to get bombarded with impurity every day of your life. Whether it's foul language, sleazy TV, raunchy movies, sexually charged commercials, sometimes you don't even know what they're selling, but you know how they're selling it. I grew up in a Christian home in a fairly sheltered environment, went to a, immediately to a Christian school, immediately in that process got married, in the middle of that process got married, and intended to go out into the ministry in a Christian church working with Christian people. And God smiled, and he had me drive truck for two and a half years delivering to every mill in Butler, Cambria, or Butler, Lawrence County, and Beaver County. I learned things I didn't know before. I learned language I'd never heard before. I grew up on a farm. I thought I'd heard it all. I, grew, I learned stuff I'd never heard in all my life. And I thought, man, the gals and guys that I know that are going to be in my church and through the years and working in those kind of environments, I can't even imagine what it's like to hear that stuff every single day of their life. I'm hoping they find Jesus. I'm hoping they come to Christ. I'm hoping they come to church so that they can have a balance of all of that stuff that they hear on a regular basis. And, and I do. I, I really do pray for you. I work with Christian people. I work in a Christian environment. Not everybody's a not everybody here that works here is a believer, but not everybody in the world I come in contact with are. But some of you are in environments that you've got to find ways to balance out all the stuff that you're hearing. In a world in your sermon notes, chaos that seems out of control morally. Sometimes you've got to search for, find, and fill your mind and life with some really, really good things. Because life's not going to offer it on a regular basis. When Paul says if there's anything excellent or praiseworthy, the inference in Greek when it was originally written is that there really are things like that. There are plenty of things that are excellent and praiseworthy. What he's saying is those are the things you've got to go after because they won't come naturally. If we don't intentionally Allow that to happen. To go after those things, we'll sit passively by and let our minds soak in whatever comes our way. I mean, think about it. There are things that you see and watch that 15, 20 years ago you'd have never watched. You just kind of like the frog in the kettle. The hotter it gets, the more I don't realize it and recognize it until all of a sudden I'm gone and dead. 
Now, if your kids are here, don't try that experiment at home. And if you have boys, they probably have already tried that. Does that really work? Can you turn up the heat and they'll die and not know how hot it's getting? Yes, it's true. Do not do this at home. But sometimes if we're not careful, we're like that. We just get inundated with all that stuff until after a while we don't notice or don't say, you know what? I, I, that, that's just, I can't take that in. I can't take that in. I, I can't let that happen. That's why he says, in, to, especially to us men, guys, you better take every thought captive because I'm telling you, the first time you see her or that, you're going down a train that you cannot stop if you're not careful because I'm telling you, that's how we're wired. And don't think you're not. I don't care how pure you think. It's not me. I've got control over all of that. God bless you. Take every thought captive because I'm telling you, you go down that train. It don't stop. That's why we encourage you to be in the word, get into a life group, be with people that you love and that love you and can't wait to sing and can't wait to be here, listen to good music, read good stuff. All of that's critical to your spiritual formation because you're being fed the wrong stuff every day of your life and you got to fill all of those holes with the right stuff. I hope your best spiritual meal is on Sunday. I grew up in an environment, my wife's a phenomenal cook and she grew up, and I grew up where, where Sunday dinner is, is, is special. I mean, Sunday dinner. Now, supper is the one you do in the evening, but a lot of you call dinner supper and supper dinner. I'm not sure what you grew up with. So a lot of the times, we'll go home, open the door. I can open the basement door, smell the roast beef and the potatoes cooking and, and the carrots, and you're saying, I'm coming to your house, get done with this sermon so I can go. I hope your best spiritual meal is the buffet that we offer you on Sunday morning. I hope it, I really hope it is. Because we offer a buffet. You know what a buffet is? You get to choose and you see a lot. So you got people who love to sing and people who greet you in the hall and people that you haven't seen in a while who encourage you and love on you and hug you and who love God and you get to sing. You get to hear people talk about the truth. You hear a pastor talk about the truth. And it reminds you that you're not alone, which is one of the reasons we want you here on a regular basis. But many times you got to come looking for that stuff because you are shocked from the world around you and you got to refill your tank and you got to be able to find it we want this and that's why i love working with dave we want this everything about this on a sunday morning all the way to sunday night when c finishes up to be your best meal of the week what we don't want it to be your only one and there's a lot of people this is the only one they get and our hope is that you get it on a regular basis where you're doing everything you can to fill your life and your mind and your heart and your family with the right stuff. Because every day you're going to get force-fed some real junk that won't last. And you've got to sometimes find ways to do that. So Paul said, make a real good intention about what you see, about what you take in, and about what you allow your mind to dwell on. People have heard all their lives, that, and I'm saying some people have heard all their lives that they're useless and worthless, and they need to really balance their lives out with some good stuff. If you've heard that you're useless and worthless all your life, let me tell you in your notes, you are so valuable. You are so loved by God. You are a son and a daughter of the living God. When you embrace him as Savior, he calls you his son and his daughter, not somebody who doesn't have access, can only call on the weekends, only every once in a while get to the God of the universe. You are a son and a daughter of the living God, and you have immediate access to God. You've got to get through three layers to get to me here at church on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday morning or a Thursday afternoon. At least three layers of people. Man, you get to go to God directly. 
Because you're his son, you're his daughter. I may have told you before, but years ago, when we were doing Ephesians and we had this huge array of art up here, and I was talking about how valuable you are, you're God's workmanship, you're God's handiwork. And I had a guy in the first or second row sitting there, and he was just watching every moment, never seen it before. Come up to me after the service, and he said, were you telling the truth? Well, it's an odd question because, no, I've been lying to you the whole time. I'm glad you came anyhow, you know? Well, absolutely, why? I've never heard that. This guy's in his late 40s, early 50s. You know what I have heard? You will never amount to anything. I lived up to their expectations. You'll, you're worthless. You'll, you're never going to make it. I just lived up to their expectations. If what you're telling me is the truth, I want that. It is. I've seen him a couple of times since. He's from out of the area, comes back every once in a while and just hugs the daylights out of me. But I just was fascinated by the fact that he'd heard all the other stuff all of his life, and he so lived up to the expectations of that. And now he's hearing, you are that valuable. You are loved by the God of the universe who loves you like crazy. Many of you have been abused. You matter to God. Even though you may have not felt like you mattered to anybody else, you matter to God. And God understands pain. God of the universe, when he rose from the dead through Jesus Christ, his son, retained his wounds in his side, in his hands. Matter of fact, he proved his resurrection in a sense, by still having that. And what I love, as I say on so many occasions in funeral services, we have a God who retained his wounds. We have a God who understands our pain. We have a God who genuinely cares. Now, there's another group of people who really need to balance out their lives because they're giving it out every day. And I'm not saying a different than any of you, but there are some people, doctors and nurses and police officers, counselors who are just drained and, and pulled from every day of their lives, who in many cases see the absolute depravity of humanity on a real short basis. And every once in a while need to balance their life out with some good stuff. Otherwise, they get so jaded that they lose their care. Now, as important as it is to know all of those things in verse 8, Paul says in verse 9, you've got to put it into practice you got to literally put it into practice. You don't just talk about doing good things. You do them. The attention to the word practice in your sermon notes is at the end of the verse, it often means it becomes a habit. Practice is what you do so that you can really do what you love to do. Discipline has the same intention. Discipline is you apply to your life so that you can really do what you love to do. And anything you do good requires discipline. You're really good at what you're really good at, and it reveals what you love. Because what you love will always show up in what you're good at. But you got to put it into practice. This stuff can't retain in here. It can't even be maintained in the Word of God. you got to live it out and put it into practice and flesh it out so that it becomes natural. So you don't have to get up in the morning or see a situation and say, boy, i gotta, I got to find something good today because I feel good about me. No, you just do it so often, it just becomes habit. You don't have to think about, i got to do the right thing. You don't have to think about, I should do some good today. You just do it so often, it becomes natural. It becomes who you are. Most people who are really good at what they're good at, 
usually doesn't come naturally. They've done it so often, so long, it just becomes who they are. You want to be a solid believer, a great follower of Christ, and you got to feed yourself with the right stuff, and you got to work hard at it. I hear a lot of people say to me, I just don't know the Bible like I used to. I, I just don't know the Bible like I'd like to. Well, we're not all going to say we know it perfect, but there is that simple question that i got to ask. Has it not been around? Have you... You've been here 50 years, 40 years, 30 years. You've got time to read at least one book, right? That's a good one to read. It's not a matter of, I just don't know the Bible like I used to. It's a matter of, I'm just not in it enough so that I know the Bible like I'd like to. And so if you're in the Bible on a regular basis, now you have to have it every day and go through a list of things so you check them all off. You're just in the Word. And you're in the Word so often you get to know it more. And then the more you put it in practice, the more it becomes natural. God wants us to know him, but he also wants us to take our relationship with him seriously. He'll give us everything we need. That's why that verse is in there, First, Second Peter chapter 1, 3. He'll give us everything you need. What he's looking for in your notes is some want to from you and I. I want to. I want to be like Christ. I want to live this life. I want to do my best. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me, you've got to put it into practice. The God of peace is going to be with you, but you've got to live it out. A lot of the businesses you're going to come in contact with, I know it's going to surprise you, they're not believers. So they're not going to wish you Merry Christmas. Don't forget, Jesus is the reason for the season as you buy all of these things. They're not going to tell you that because many of them aren't believers. So they may not live up to your expectation, but we have the opportunity to influence by just saying, love you, hope you have a great week. Um, it's okay that the line is 23 deep. I'm okay, I've just been patient, waiting here. Okay, well, maybe. I know, I'm, I'm, Paul said it, I'm a work in progress. All right? But this season is the best opportunity for you just to live this stuff out in a world that's so confused and so distorted and so distracted and so divided. I don't know if I've ever seen a time where the world seems so divided. Not just politically, but in every other way. And it's an opportunity for us during this season, in these weeks, just to so live it out that when people come in contact with us, they just see the love of Jesus spilling out everywhere. The power of influence is enormous. Yesterday I had the opportunity to participate in the funeral for Mike Halen. And I was fascinated when I was writing out the notes, and I've asked their permission to share it. And I was intrigued by the fact that when I wrote out the notes, how one person invited another who invited another who invited another who invited another who invited another. And now there are two rows full of family who not only just come to church, but have found Jesus as their Savior. And Jason and Becky and Nate and, and, and Tracy and Cindy and Mike and Blaze and Schiffer. And you, well, I mean, it's just incredible. This power of influence when one person so lives it out and says, look, I have found something that I believe can change your life. Why don't you come? And one after the other after the other. It was just fascinating to watch the influence and the impact they've had. And now they've all found Jesus as their Savior. And Mike, the moment he left this world Monday night, went to the presence of Almighty God. Because somebody loved him enough to live it out, to share it, to say it, to invite. And his life and family were changed. 
God, I thank you for your word. Oh, it's incredible how you, you, you preserved it. You give us life. You give us energy. You give us strength. You give us guidance. You give us direction. You didn't leave us trying to figure out all of this on our own, but you gave us guidance from your word, from your spirit, from people around us, and so we're grateful. Help us during this Christmas season to just so live it out that people around us will see something about us that is attractive, that is intriguing, that they'll want to know what makes us the way we are, what we do on Sundays, how much we enjoy life. And even in the middle of all the uncertainty of life, we know beyond the shadow of a doubt where we go when we leave this world. So, Father, as we do, put it into practice what we have seen, heard, understand, help us to do, and be people who really do influence the world and shine like stars in the universe so that those who do not know Christ and do not know the answers to life will find it in and through us. We thank you for that. We love you. In the name of the Son who gave up his all so that we can have life, even while we were sinning, died for us. We say thank you. In his name, amen. So concludes Philippians. You're going to get a break from my voice next week. You need that. You've heard it a lot. We're going to start a Christmas series next Sunday. Bob's going to share. And then 23rd is the same as it is on Sunday morning. Both Sunday morning on the 23rd, 9, 1045, 3 then on Monday night. We're looking forward to it. Trust you are as well. God bless you. If I can pray for you, let me do that. Have a great, great day.